We're starting a new series today, and I, I'm going to start with a disclaimer. Let me ask a question, and I'm going to raise my hand so you don't have to feel like super spiritual and not raise your hand to answer this question. How many of you have watched the series? I'm not saying you'd have to have seen every single one of them. It ran for 10 years. How many of you have watched the series on TV, Friends? You see your hands. Good. What that means is, I'm saying good because what that means is as I'm doing this, I won't have a whole bunch of blank stares like, what in the world is he talking about? So I am not, I am not saying it's a great series that you need to watch it because it teaches amazing biblical truth. I'm not saying that. I'm not even suggesting that you watch it. If you do, it's your thing. I've watched it. We had, we had a kind of a funny thing happen in our family. When our kids were growing up, we didn't watch that. We didn't want that influencing our kids. After our kids got married and moved out, one of them comes back for something. They all came back for something, but one of them come back for something <laughs> and, and sees we're watching this on TV. And I won't say which one it is, but she said... Um, <laughs> what are you doing? You're watching this. And we could never watch this growing up. I said, you're watching it now, right? And she said, yeah. I said, do you understand why we didn't let you watch it as a kid? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so adulting, it was a little bit different. So I'm not saying that it's the, the morals in it are good. I'm not saying, here's what we're doing. We're having fun, people. At this church, we take God seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. People get in trouble when they take themselves too seriously. Here's what I know. You can find hope and truth even in weird places or in things that seem off. One of my mentors used to do this all the time, and so I feel like I can do it. You know what his name was? Jesus. He used to take ordinary, everyday things. He got criticized for it, but he took ordinary, everyday things and taught truth. So we're going to have some fun doing this. So since almost, almost everybody raised their hand saying that they've seen it, you've heard the introduction to the show. You've heard the music, the song that introduces it. Um, I'm just going to ask a question. Those who haven't seen it have no idea what this question means. Four claps or five at the beginning? We had a debate on this. About half of the people said four claps and about half of the people said five. So let's settle the debate. The official music video for that song right now. You gotta watch. It comes up quick. Here it comes. And clap when you're supposed to. Okay, okay, I, I, I'd like to listen to the whole thing. Um, I did many times this week, um, just, just saying. Um, here's, here's the thing about that. Um, it, it is four claps. But wait, but wait. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little bit more information in just a moment. Here's what's important about that. Go ahead and put the words to the first verse up. We didn't play the whole first verse, but here's what the first verse says. So no one told you life was going to be this way. I have to do that too because it says quick claps. <laughs> no one told you life was going to be this way. Your job's a joke. You're broke. Your love life's DOA. And so many of you are sitting here thinking, it's me. 
it's like you're always stuck in second gear when it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. Here's what I know. There are many people listening to this right now who would say, I can identify with one or ten of those things. I understand what that is. And I understand how that takes hope away. The very next line is the chorus. That's what's important. Look at the chorus. I'll be there for you. And the echo says, when the rain starts to pour. Wouldn't it be nice if you knew that somebody would look you in the eye and said, I'll be there for you when the rain starts to pour. I'll be there for you like I've been there before. I'll be there for you because you're there for me too. That's what this series is about. It's about having those kinds of relationships. So here's the weird thing. I said I'd share a weird thing. There was only four claps. But if you watch the video, which is the official video, it has all the characters in it. It's what they did a long time ago. It's on YouTube. Um, when, when it gets to that part and it goes, you can hear it. It's not clapping. It's that clapboard thing coming down. Phoebe, who does, I love Phoebe. <laughs> Run like Phoebe. Uh, Phoebe appears to do the clapboard thing five times, even though you only hear four claps. So the debate goes on. We don't know. I actually may have watched that in slow motion to be able to figure that out. And so I would say, could I be any nerdier, right? So regardless, I think these words hit home to many, especially of, of the verse. Um, and I think, I think that this series can help. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about friending, about friends. And so this is, this is the first episode today. It's the one that sets it up. That's what today is all about. Here's what I believe. Some of the most important things that we study here some of the most important series and studies we ever do are about this topic. And here's why. Because if you get friendships right, it sets you up for success in every important area. If you get them wrong, there is more pain and destruction than you can imagine. And I have a feeling there's an awful lot of testimonies about that here today. So here's the thing that's going to be running through this whole series that you need to get in order to see the relevance and the importance of this. If you're taking notes, here's the first thing. Your connections are contagious. Your connections are contagious. Those relationships you have, those friends you have, those people around you, it's contagious. Here's, here's how it says it in the Bible. I love the message paraphrase of this. Proverbs 13.20. Become wise, and we all want to become wise. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. We've seen it in our own lives over and over again. Personally, whenever I've had any successes, it was a result of God using the right friends to influence me. And Almost every time I've gotten into trouble, it's because of the wrong friends. So, show of hands. Who here has had a friend get you in trouble? See your hands? Okay, look around. If, your hand, if their hand is not up, 
they were the friend <laughs> who got someone in trouble. So let's do a little exercise. <laughs> Panic. Not like that kind of exercise. It's me, okay? Here's the exercise. On your notes, there, there are five blanks. One, two, three, four, five. They're numbered. And here's what, don't start yet. Get all the instructions first. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to list your five closest friends. I want you to write it down. But very important, a couple things. This is outside family. So family doesn't count. Your imaginary friend doesn't count. And here's what I would suggest. I would suggest you don't write their name down. You have their name in your head and you just make some kind of a code so like you and God are the only ones who know what you're writing because the person sitting next to you could think they're your best friend and they ain't on the list if they don't see their name. So don't put names down. You know, put a little code so that you know who it is. But I want you to think through this and I want you to have that in your head. I want you to think, here are my five friends. So go ahead, just write that down. Put a code down, do something, but have that at least in your head to know that these are my five closest friends. And when you have that list, whether you've obeyed and written it down or whether you haven't and it's just in your head, when you have that list, I want you to think of those five people and I want you to think about this. You are the average of your five closest friends. It's been proven true over and over and over again. You are the average of your five closest friends. What that means is when it comes to financial stuff, there's probably some on this side and some on this side. You're the average of that. When it comes to, you know, being the crazy one, the wild one, you know, you're probably in the middle of that. When it comes to being spiritually focused, you're usually the average of your five closest friends. So here's the thing. Like it or not, you become who you run with you become who you run with. So it becomes extremely important to run with the right people because like it said in the Proverbs, we want to become wise. We don't want to watch our life fall to pieces. So we want to be able to get this right. We want to have the right friends. So let me define friendship for you. We'll do it from a Bible verse, okay? Different version. Proverbs seventeen seventeen says this, A friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. This person is born to like and comment on your post to make you feel good about yourself. That's Proverbs 17, 17. From the Facebook version. <laughs> Which, by the way, is not correct. Here's what a friend is. The NIV says it like this. A friend loves at all times. That means I'll be there for you even when the rain starts to pour. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is not born to like your posts, okay? A brother is born for a time of adversity. That you would say, this is what I'm made for. That's what friends are. Some of you, when I said write down your five closest friends, you had real trouble with that. The American Sociological Review printed the results of a survey they took, wide-ranging survey. In the last, I, I want to say it's in, in, in this decade, in the last 10 years, the average American has two close friends. 
the sadder part of that is 25% of people have none. Now, 20 years ago, the average American had four close friends. Today they have two, and 25% of the people have none. 40 years ago, the average American had six close friends. Today it's down to two, and for many people, they would say, I didn't have a name to write down. So the question is, what's frustrating our relationships? If we, if we see that there's a problem, what is frustrating our friendships? On your outline, there's three things. There's more than three, but these are probably three of the biggest ones for us. Here's the first one. Increased busyness. There's just too much going on. Some people spending a whole bunch of time at work. Some people don't even have a job and they're busy all the time. And we do so much and we run that we're just passing people and we think they're friends and they're not. It's frustrating our friendships because there's so many things going on in our life that we don't have time for that. There is an incredible increase in busyness in everybody's life. The second thing that's frustrating our friendships is this, and you may think this is weird at first, but track with me. Rising divorce rates. Here's what happens. You have a couple, and they have friends. Something happens to that couple and this happens. Now the friends are like, I don't know what to do. I'd like to do this, but then I feel bad about this. I'd like to do this, but then I feel bad about this. And it messes with connections. And it messes with friendships. And so we have a whole bunch of scattered, skewed things going on that we're not sure what to do. And the safest thing to do is this. And we just back away. And it frustrates our friendships. So we have increased busyness. We have rising divorce rates. And this, I think, is probably the biggest, number three, the explosion of social media, which was designed for us to connect more. Here's what we need to acknowledge. Social media has redefined the meaning of the word friend. Before Facebook, before Twitter, before Instagram, before Snapchat, before any of these things. They, they come and go so fast it's hard to keep up with them. Before all those things happened, here's what I know. No one, no one called all of their friends in the morning and said, you won't believe what I had for breakfast. <laughs> and then sent them a picture of it as if we care about your oatmeal. But now somehow we think everybody is interested. They're my friends. They're all interested in what I'm eating, and so I better put a picture of it up here because they're my closest friends. Here's, think about this. Here's what social media is. It's being obsessed with controlling perception. It's how we want people to perceive us. Now, before you make me the enemy here, I'm not saying I'm against social media. It's a huge source of laughter for me. <laughs> Keep it coming. <laughs> it's, there are many good things that happen through it. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm saying what happens is we begin to think, I can now control how people see me. And so we have this idea. I'm going to tell you this because 
Julie would be okay with me telling you this, but she's not here, and I always, I always hesitate that. She's, she's bringing 30-some kids home from Shamanoff for the youth group. Um, there's this pastor that both of us know about. We don't know him personally, but we know about him. Kind of a big social media person. And we saw a thing of him one time that he made a comment, and we'd laughed about it the other day because I'm sitting in my office. I'm telling you this, and I'm thinking, this, I should not be saying this. I'm, t- I'm sitting in my office, and Julie comes in, and she comes around a desk, and she sits on my lap. And it was like, this is nice. And we looked at each other and said, Pastor so-and-so would be saying, who's here to take a picture of this? Because it's not about the moment. It's about showing other people how great the moment was. It's about controlling that perception. And, and we see it all the time. You, 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 see, uh, you have a good opportunity, so you want to take a picture. You want to share it with people. So you take the picture and you look at it and say, mm, it's not quite perfect. So you take another one. And pretty soon that candid moment has 400 takes. <laughs> and you have put so many filters and frames on it that, I'm sorry, we don't know who it is. I've seen pictures where I, I want to tell people, do you realize if you went missing and we had to put your picture on a milk carton, we'd never find you because your picture does not look like you. We want people to see us a certain way. And so here's what we think. More followers, more likes, more followers, more Facebook friends, more people that are following my story. And the more we have, the more we feel alone. It is the illusion of intimacy. This is counterfeit to what God intended. I'm not saying God says you're not supposed to be on Facebook or Instagram. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the need that you think it's going to fulfill is counterfeit to the way God intended things to be. And most people would say this, the more I use social media, the more I crave real relationships. That's what happens. So we're going to talk about this for four weeks, and then you're going to be able to talk about it in your small group where you might even have a new friend. What an idea. So we're going to do that for four weeks, and and we'll have three more episodes after today. Next week will be the one with that one friend. Week three will be the one where we're better together. And week four will be the one with the boundaries. So you don't want to miss what, I, what I'm going to try to do because I know some of the groups meet on Sunday. I will do everything I can to put this up online, iloveourchurch.com, journeynorthchurch.com. We had an issue for a week with it getting up on iTunes, but I think we've solved that issue and it's back up on iTunes now. Um, I will do everything I can to get that up as soon as I can after church. Now you know there's a game on. So if you're listening to the recording of the message and partway through you hear, it means something good happened. That's all that means. But it'll be online for those who need to hear it again or for those who weren't able to be here but are in a group and want to be able to hear it. So that's what we're going to do for four weeks. So we're going to talk about the friends that you need to have and maybe more importantly, the friend that you need to be. So that's been like the super long introduction, the longest introduction to any sermon I've ever done. Today, it's the one that sets it up. The one that set it up. Here's what today is about. So we're going to get to the how, the YBH. We're talking about friends. What we want to do is we want to be able to make good connections. So how do we make good connections? Three things, very simple. 
Here's the first one. Be present. Be present. That means be there. Make the commitment to say, I'm going to develop my friendships face to face, not thumbs to thumbs. Oh, there's Julie. (laughs) They sent her a little kiss. Here's what we need to do. I'm not saying social media is bad. I'm not saying don't use it. I'm saying this. We need to be able to realize that if we want real connections, we have to be present. We have to be there. Jesus, when you look at his life, he didn't say, here, read this book and walk away. He said, follow me. He said, be here with me. There was nobody more pressed for time than Jesus. Three and a half years he had to save the world, literally. He had a lot to accomplish, a lot to do, a lot of things, people to train, preparations to be made. And yet he always took time for people and he always had that face-to-face with people. See, there's some of you right now and you know who you are. You're thinking, yeah, those dang kids, they're always on their phones. That's what we see. You know what? Here's what I've discovered. Kids know something's not right with with this whole thing. I hear more kids complaining about their parents on their phones than vice versa. I see it every single day. I see the mom or the dad on their phone and the kids say, Mom, 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 Mom. And they're, what do you want? I'm busy. And I want, I, I don't know them and I can't say this, but I want to say, that's what you're supposed to be busy with. Them. Not this. When they're there, you're present for them. That's what being present means. In Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25, it says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. To have those connections. Love means other people. How do we love people? we got to think of ways to do this. And verse 25 says this. Let us not neglect our meeting together. And it's interesting. That word um, that's translated meeting together is only used a couple times in the New Testament. And what it means is it means a physical presence with a spiritual outcome and meaning. That's what that word means. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I hear a lot of people talk about that verse and say, you know, that verse means you're supposed to go to church. Which I agree, you're supposed to go to church. I think that's a good thing. That's the large group. But that's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about small group. Because that's where the meeting together happens. That's where the presence happens. That's where the physical presence has that spiritual meeting and we can encourage people and they can encourage us. It doesn't happen in the big setting. First church met temple courts and house to house. We meet Sundays and we should be meeting during the week in smaller groups so that we can do life that we can encourage one another. And it says, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And I look at that and I think, he wrote that 2,000 years ago. If it was near then, how much nearer is it now? Time is short. Let's get this right. Because there is power in presence. Being not the kind you get for Christmas. 
when we're close together. Early on in ministry, I was going to say I didn't, I didn't know anything or what I was doing. And it's like, well, that would still be true today. But back then I knew even less. And I remember a couple times having to go and visit people who had had horrific things happen. Uh, 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 a terminal illness, a death of a child, a horrible thing happened. It's like, I don't know what to do, God. I don't know. What, what am I going to say? I don't know what to do. And I would go and I would sit with these people and, and I'm sitting there thinking, I have no idea what to do. But the gravity of their situation, of these friends that I had, hit me. And so uh, I, I did what I do. I cried and I blubbered like a baby you know, snot coming out and everything. And we all just sat there and cried together. And I said a few things. I don't even know what it was. And we hugged and I prayed with them and I left. And I left thinking, what a loser I am. They want me to come here and offer them some help and some hope. And I didn't do anything to help them. And you know what's interesting? From a number of those people, some of them still here today, from a number of those people, I got um, words or notes of encouragement saying, it meant so much for you to come and share what you shared. It's like, I, didn't, I don't even know what I said. You know what I did? I showed up. If you think you're going to go and have words of wisdom to help somebody who's going through a catastrophe, you need to bring duct tape and put it over your mouth and just sit with them. Just be with them. Just be present with them. That's what people are looking for. We know when somebody goes through a difficult time, we say, I'm praying for you. That's a big deal. Hugely powerful deal. You know what's more important than praying for somebody? Praying with somebody. To sit down with them and to pray with them. I have connections. I I have Walmart friends. (laughs) I walk through, hey... How you doing? I'm good. How are you? And we pass, and it's like, that's all I know about that person. I have a couple of those friends who, as I pass over the years now, 20 years here, as I've passed, I've had this happen a couple times where I've said, hey, how you doing? I go to shake their hands, and they're trying their best to smile, and it ain't coming. I said, what's up? One of them, my wife died, and he didn't have anybody else to tell. And so we sat there at the entrance to Walmart and cried together. And I prayed with him. And it changed our relationship. Too many of us, all of our connections are like Walmart connections. And we're just passing by. We need to be present, not just physically, but emotionally. Here's what I know. At the end of your life, when you're getting ready to breathe your last... How much will it matter how many likes your selfie had? There it is. (laughs) You're dismissed. (laughs) Thank you for that. Here's what I'm going to suggest. You may have a group. You may have friends that you like, you do lunch with or you do whatever with. Here's what I would suggest. Take your phones. Not, I'm not saying do this right now. Your phone should be on silent, by the way. Take your, take, <laughs> take your phones when you're all together there and put it in the middle of the table face down and stack them up there and talk to each other. 
I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a restaurant and I've seen a mom and dad and like a whole bunch of kids sitting around a table like this. Nobody knows the other person's there. I'm not saying this is bad. I'm saying it's not a connection. We need to make connections. So that's the first thing. The first thing, be present. Not just physically, but emotionally present. Here's the next thing. Be open. Be open. That means transparent. That means vulnerable. You say, I did that and I got hurt. Yep, and you'll get hurt again. But it's worth more than you can imagine to have that happen in your life. There's a new phobia out. People are afraid of everything. There's a phobia for everything. Do you know there's a new phobia that's growing in intensity like mind-boggling in how many people have this phobia? And you know what it is? There are tons of people who are afraid to talk on the phone. Now think about this for a minute. Do you know why that is? They can't control the direction of the conversation. It's way easier to let that go to voicemail. Now some of you are thinking, wait a minute, Tim, I called you a while ago. You <laughs> let it go to voicemail. I'm busy, okay? Here's what we do. We let it go to voicemail so that we can think of our answer because we want to control what's happening. That's why we like texting. We can think about it. We can change things. We can move them around. I even have an app called Drafts where I can draft my text first and change it. And so people get it all correct before they send it because except for things like you and your spelling wrong and, and I seen this. You didn't seen this. I have seen this or I saw this. There's pro- but never mind. Some of you are like, what? We like control and we don't have control in a phone call. We don't know what the other person's going to say. We don't know what direction's that going to go, so we're scared to do that. See, here's the thing. We impress people with our strengths, and that's what we want to do. But the truth is we connect with people through our weaknesses. And we are scared to be open. We're scared to be transparent because they won't like me if I'm not perfect. I am... I'm, Spoiler alert, they know you're not perfect. Just like you know they're not perfect. That's not the plan. The plan is to connect in our weaknesses. We share weaknesses. Share, that's what small groups are for. Here's what it says, James 5.16. We've talked about this many times. Um, uh, in, in CR, we paraphrase it. The revealing of feeling is the beginning of healing. This is where that comes from. James 5.16, confess your sins not just to God. It says to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Again, that happens in a small group. That's where that happens. And by the way, when it says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, that happens in a small group. You do not do that to everybody. Please do not confess your deep, dark secrets to everybody. That's not what this is saying. You can't trust everybody. We find people in our lives that we do life with that we can trust and we share this thing with them and we have the courage to admit, you know what, this, what I'm doing here isn't working. 
or I'm doing this and I'm struggling with that. And we're going out on a limb because we don't know what they're going to say. And I'll tell you how many times, I can't tell you how many times, I mean, how, how I've seen somebody share something deep and somebody else in the group look at them and say, you know what, I'm struggling with the same thing. And they're able to help each other. Because we've had the courage to admit it and to be open. Because God wants more for us. Is that going to burn you sometimes? Yes. But it's worth it because God wants more for you. It will just teach you, yep, that's not the person I should tell that to next time. (laughs) We need to be present physically and emotionally. We need to be open and to make good connections. The third thing is this. Be intentional. We need to be intentional. We need to be, ha, take intentional next steps. Here's what I'm going to do to make this part of my life better. Because there are so many good things that can happen when you have the right people around you. And we can only make that happen intentionally. It's not going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen just by chance. It's going to happen when you make that choice to be intentional about it, and you have to take those intentional steps. John 13, 34 and 35. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples. I give you a new command. And it's not like different from the rest of the Bible. He said, I'm going to say it in a way that you can understand it. Here's what I want you to do. Love each other. He's saying this to his guys, his people, his group, his small group. They're not known for loving each other. They're known for a rare, you know. And he says, here's what you need to do. Love each other. And then he tells them, and, and here's how you do that. You, your love, you, you must love each other as I have loved you. That's a big thing. You need to love people the way Jesus loved you. And then he says this in verse 35. All people will know that you are my followers if you love each other. He didn't say all people will know that you're my followers if you wear really nice clothes and go to the right church. He didn't say you will, other people will know you're my followers if you're like a theological dictionary and you can say all the big words to everybody. That's not what he said. He said they'll know you're my followers if you love each other. So if you want people to know about Jesus... This is how we do it. We love each other. When we choose to love, when we're present, when we're open and intentional about this, great things can happen. A a hope and relationally starved world will see it. And they'll know it's Jesus who we're following. When churches are intentional about loving each other and others, The world sees it. The community sees it. Because they know we're a bunch of broken, screwed up people. And usually broken, screwed up people fight with each other. When they see a bunch of people like us loving each other and loving them, they see there's something different about it. This is in your notes. Write this down. Every friendship ends up somewhere. Not every friendship ends up somewhere on purpose. Gonna, your friendships are going to take you somewhere. Let's be intentional about it. Let's have it end up there on purpose where it needs to end up. Here's what it says in Romans 12. I love the message paraphrase of this too. Love from the very center of who you are. 
don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. You see, if everybody did that, it would work. I know people, they, can, they, they know they need to apologize for things they've done wrong. So they apologize on Facebook. Just so you know, Facebook's not the place to apologize. I can't tell you how many posts I've read of people who, you know who you are, I'm saying I'm sorry. And it's like, okay, first of all, there's a thousand other people listening. It's like four old men in Korea, some people over in China, some people in South... They're all reading. They have no idea. You know who's not getting it? The person you need to be apologizing to. There's a time and a place for everything. The time and a place for that is in person. And you say, oh, that's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But it's right. It's what we do. So we're too concerned about people perceiving us correctly. So here's what we need to do. Instead of asking, will you like me? Ask, how can I love you? Take it off of you. Instead of asking, will you like me? Say, how can I love you? Because what we're trying to do is not just have the right friends. We're trying to be the right friend. What kind of friend will you be? I've seen this happen over and over. I've seen people get together in groups. I've seen them take seriously what they hear on Sunday morning. I've seen them as a group put it into practice in their life during the week and talk about it, discuss it, and become better at loving each other and loving others. And I have literally heard many times people who know those people but who don't know Jesus who don't have any hope, say about that group, I don't know that I believe what you believe, but I want what you have. Because it's something real. I'd like you to bow your heads as we pray. I know that... I know that there's many of you here today with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. You, you, you could use more friends. But the truth is, some of you don't have the best friendship yet. You don't have the one with Jesus. And so as we work on our friendships with each other, some of you need to take that first step and say, I need to have Jesus as my friend. Father, I know there's people here who, they're struggling, even like the song we heard. They're struggling. And they need somebody that will say, I'll be there for you. We know, Father, that they also need to be the person that says, I'll be there for you. So I pray that in this series, we would establish these connections, we would grow these connections, that we would be present, we would be open, we would be intentional about it. And Father, for anybody listening to this who's never made that first connection with you, that they would realize that that's where it all starts. That in simple faith, we could say, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I know that I've sinned. My sin has separated from you, me from you, and I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you died to provide forgiveness from my past, but also meaning and purpose in life today. 
and a living hope for the future. And I pray, Father, that nobody would leave here without having that assurance, that they would just in simple faith turn to you, give all of themselves as they understand it today to all of you as they understand it today, and trust Jesus. Father, I thank you that we have the opportunity to build and develop friendships that not only help us and help others, but draw people to Jesus. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. Well, this was the one that set it all up. Could I be more excited about what's happening next week? Okay? Your connections are contagious. And they will change you. We read, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Here's what it says in Proverbs 18.24. One who has unreliable friends will soon come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We need to have those friends and be those friends. But you know there's another friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's Jesus. Do you realize, I did a study this last week, of how many times Jesus used the word friend. And it, it, will, it would blow your mind to do that. You know what once stood out most to me? In the garden. As he was about to be betrayed and arrested to be taken off to crucify. To be crucified, he called one of his disciples friend. You know who it was? Judas. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and that's Jesus. And he wants to be your friend today. If he's not, and you haven't met him yet, make your way to that back room. Somebody will find you back there and be able to pray with you. We can get you a Bible. We can get you on the right path and having a friend who will never leave you. And if you're not in a group, there's sign-ups in the back. If the group doesn't, if it has multiple days and times, pick it. Pick one. Write it down. And say, well, you said it could be whatever, so here's what it is. So sign up if you're not in a group. Remember, class 101 is next week. There's a sign-up on the welcome desk so that we have a number to be able to provide for lunch, 12 to 4 next week. The game is at 7.20, unless something changes, so you won't miss that. So 12 to 4 next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for demonstrating that love for us in, in how you came and lived and how you came and died for us to begin that process of redeeming everything the way Josh read. Thank you for that, Father. I pray that anybody listening to this that doesn't know you as their personal Savior would come to you today and turn their life and will over to you, turn from their sin, turn to you, and have that relationship with you established so that they could begin having better relationships in their life with others. Thank you, and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.